The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. Uh, welcome, everybody. My name is Ryan Church. Glad that you are with us tonight. Please, uh, as some of you have probably uh, noticed, we've, we've put an aircraft carrier up front here uh, for, or for uh, this week's in. Uh, actually, it's less about this week's in, and as many of you are aware, it is Holy Week. Uh, and we obviously are, are excited for the celebration uh, that is coming uh, this Sunday, where we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, this moment that for those um, of us that call ourselves Christian, really um, that is the hope of the world, uh, that Jesus rising uh, from death uh, points us to this, this great hope, this great reality, that there, um, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of, of God that we find in Christ Jesus, not even death. So big celebration coming up this weekend. Uh, come and join us uh, here at UPC. We have services starting at 8 o'clock, and they basic, there'll be like eight of them that run through till about noon. So come and join us. I'll be hanging about uh, all morning. We can grab a cup of coffee between services, but uh, come and worship with the, the wonderful community that's here uh, on Sunday morning, uh, this, this Easter. And then also Good Friday, uh, there's a service down in the sanctuary. And then on Monday, Thursday, where we, we mark uh, Jesus with his disciples in the upper room, we're going to have a communion service right in this room. Great uh, service for you to come uh, if you're in a small group or uh, in a core group. Uh, come and join us uh, for worship in here on Thursday night. So that's why we have this giant stage is, is we've got big celebrations planned uh, coming up this weekend. Okay, uh, we are going to con- uh, continue our series that we started last week uh, on, on really discernment, on calling, on, on wrestling with what is the meaning and the purpose of life. And I'm excited about our speaker tonight, uh, another of our interns that comes from uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, and she comes uh, via Seattle Pacific University, where she earned a degree in dietetics and also earned a national championship ring there as part of the women's soccer team. And she is, uh, Karen is also um, hashtag marrying down. Uh, she got engaged. <laughs> she got engaged uh, just before spring break. I'll let her tell you more about that. And actually, you know, the Bash Brothers, the, the irony there, even though I would never, you know, I would never ask for a display like that, the irony is that I actually have hired both Brian and Kevin at different times and paid them real cash money. Okay, uh, so uh, Karen and Kevin are engaged, and anybody who knows Karen uh, knows her to be profoundly reliable and incredibly 
um, caring. She's one of the most aware people I know. And by aware, I mean aware of other people. Her usual responsibility on, on Tuesday nights is this job that we call innkeeper. She kind of makes sure that everything happens in this space on Tuesday nights as it's supposed to. And so she's likely standing over there going, hey, is everybody in the back comfortable? Is everything going okay? Like she's just the most other-centered person, uh, one of the most other-centered people I know. Uh, she loves uh, people deeply. And that's why I'm excited for you to get to hear from my friend, one of our interns tonight, Karen Hostler. Well, that was awesome and really kind of you, Ryan. Um, but like you said, I get to speak tonight and I'm really excited about it. And I'm excited because um, I get to share a little bit about my life. And one of the things he was saying, oh, I'm caring, whatever. But one of the things my friends say about me is I'm extremely honest. I'm an honest and open person. And you guys are going to get a, a glimpse of that tonight, probably a big glimpse, because I'm going to share um, a lot about my story. But um, I want to start off in being honest because all the other interns have come up this year and they have talked about how they are just the cutest kid out there. And um, I want to tell them my thoughts on that. So here are some pictures right now. So I'm like, what? Okay, we have the bowl cut. There's Kev right there. And then we have Toma. And if you guys, you can't really see it, but there's an alien under it and she looks just like that. And then we have over there, being Mr. 30 Rock, trying to be all thug when he's like, what, 13? I don't even know. So I'm like, I'm sorry, guys, you're not the cutest, but let me show you who is the cutest. Look at that. That is a gem. Yeah. And I still make that face. Maybe I'm still that cute. I don't know. But um, yeah, that's great. Um, so like Ryan said, I did um, recently get engaged to one of those Bash brothers. Um, that's us right there. And um, we met when we were in third grade. And that's at the elementary school where we met. And eventually that's where our first kiss was. And then um, that's where he proposed. So it was precious. It was awesome. And um, now I um, get to look forward to what I get to live with for the rest of my life. Yeah! This is what I'm in for. Uh, Kevin knows I'm the most ticklish person in the world, and he likes to exploit that way too often. Um, but I signed up for it. I accepted the invitation, um, so I'm ready for it. But my family's right there next to me when this happened. These are my, all the girls in my family. It's my sisters. I have three of them, and that's my beautiful mom. And everyone says their mom is the strongest person in the world, but um, I'm going to be like, no, that's my mom. She's the strongest person in the world. Definitely one of my best friends. Um, and this next picture, it's my extended family, but... They're definitely my immediate family. So um, I have a lot of girls in my family, a lot of freaking estrogen. It's unreal. Um, so I feel bad for my uncle and my cousin, and now Kevin and his family, because they're entering into this. Um, but that, so that's a little bit about me. And um, like you said, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and grew up with those three beautiful, amazing sisters. And the three youngest of us, we grew up as hardcore athletes, and it was awesome. And then my oldest sister, Amanda, who's actually here tonight, whoop, whoop, um, she grew up as, like, this genius, and she was so musical. And, yeah, this is how you play music. Um, so musical and so talented with math and science and whatever else. And um, any genes that were smart from my parents went to her. And the three of us were like, okay, we're going to scramble for something. And basically, we got screwed. And I'm like, thanks, Amanda. Way to go. Way to take it all. Awesome. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm, like, really thankful it worked out that way because being an athlete is a huge part of my life and a huge part of my story. So um, 
I grew up doing gymnastics competitively till I was in level eight, and then I switched to play soccer. And I was playing soccer because my sisters played, and they were great at it, and they were having so much fun. And my parents would go to their games and cheer them on and whatnot, and I was like, I want to be in on that. And so um, I would go play with them, and then coaches would come out and like see us playing, whatever, and, and they're like, you need to try out for club or premier or classic soccer, whatever you want to call it. And so I did, um, and I made the team, and it stuck, and it stuck with me like glue. Um, and then I ended up playing club ball and then was on the ODP or state team, um, played in high school, and then eventually played in college. Um, and that started to be my calling, or at least what I thought was my calling. And um, I started to live into that, and every decision I made was based towards soccer. I did that because my heart definitely changed from loving gymnastics to loving soccer. Um, but the icing on the cake was that I got my dad's attention. Like, it was awesome because I'd go play a game, and he'd be there and um, cheering me on and whatnot. And it's not like he was like, Karen, my amazing daughter, like, you're so good. It wasn't that at all. But it was him um, coming there and giving me the pregame talk and cheering me on during the game and then the postgame talk. I got his time, which I loved. And I didn't get that with gymnastics because he didn't like individual sports. Um, so I loved soccer, and I started to realize the better I was, I felt like the more proud he was of me or you know, the more happy he was or whatever. So I strived to be the best that I could at that. And so that became my calling. I reduced myself to a great soccer player. Um, I think we do that a lot of times in our life, whether it be grades. Um, if you get a good grade, you know, everything is up to that moment. And, um, and if you get a bad grade, you get pissed at life. You know, like if I had a bad game at soccer, I'd be pissed. And I was like, don't even talk to me. Like, I'm the biggest brat on this planet. But then if I had a good game, I'm like, oh, friends, best friends. Like, let's hang out, you know. Like, you get a good grade. You're like, let's celebrate. Oh, my gosh. You're like, you end up dating this guy, and you think he's going to break up with you, but he doesn't. Woohoo! you know. Like, we're so happy. And that's how it happens. And um, it's sad that we do that, but it's totally true. And um, I share that with you because, uh, like Ryan said, this quarter we're talking about our calling. And um, last week, Ryan touched on this idea of our reduced calling and how oftentimes we choose what our calling is and we reduce it to merely something we do or something we think that we are. And I reduced myself to just being this great soccer player. Um, and that took a toll on me because that's draining and it's tiring. Um, and I think it definitely pulls you out of relationships. But um, tonight I want to talk more about calling. And more specifically, the calling um, in Moses' life and where he was called to. But before we do that, can you guys please pray with me real quick? God, I want to thank you so much for the end and so much for this opportunity to be here and speak to these people. And I know that you've placed each and every one of them here tonight. And God, thank you for the gift of stories and for my story, because it shows how broken and what a broken human I am, but it shows all of your glory. So tonight, as we look at Moses' story, I pray that you would open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to see and to hear what you have to tell us. Um, I thank you, God, and I pray that you speak through me and it's your words and it's glorifying to you. I pray these things in your name. Okay, so I'm going to give you a rundown real quick. We're in Exodus, and that's where... Um, Pharaoh is the leader of Egypt, so he's in there. There's all these people, um, but the Israelites or the Hebrews are there, and they're enslaved. And so Pharaoh's up here, and there's the enslaved people, and they're like growing in number and power, whatever. And Moses is like, ah, I don't like this. Let's cut it out. Let's kill the babies. Good idea, right? So he's going to kill all the baby boys, and um, Moses is born during this time when they're all going to die. 
And so his mother gives birth to him, and she's like, um, not my son. So she wraps him up in a little basket and puts him in the Nile, and then he goes down. And, you know, Pharaoh's daughter comes along and picks him up and is like, I'm going to raise this guy as my own. So she raises him, and he becomes... Um, a Hebrew who's living with the Egyptians. And so he's up here, like, in the upper class, the wealthy, and he's watching all of his people suffer down here. And after a while, he snaps, and he kills one of the Egyptians, and he gets seen that he kills them. And so he has to flee. And this is where we pick up in Exodus 3, in the text, um, and Moses has fled, and he's living in this, um, he's living in Midian, and now, um, yeah, now that's where we pick up. So, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that um, he had gone over to look, God called to Moses from within the bush, saying, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and the land of all these other people that are there. I'm not going to name them all. And um, now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Are you good now? Yeah, okay. There's the rest of that. You see it. Um, Okay. So this is a long chunk of text. I just got tired reading it, and I'm done. I can walk off the stage. Um, but Exodus is one of those books that we, like, rarely read. And, you know, when you, like, pick up the one-year Bible plans, and you're like, oh, I'm totally going to do this. And then if you make it to Exodus, you're like, oh, I did it. Like, I made it. Um, and so I do this. Like, and, and once I get there, I just skim it because it's like, I don't care. Like, this is Exodus, and it's boring. Let's get to the New Testament, right? Um, but so this time I was reading it, and I was reading it through a different lens, a different goggles, if you will. And um, I wasn't looking at Moses, but instead I was looking at um, the caller. I was looking at God in this, and I was like, oh my gosh, oh, God's awesome. Like, I was seeing that God is such an active God. He listens, he hears. Here, can we put that text back up? So God says, I have heard them. I'm concerned. I'm coming down to bring them up. And he has seen, and now he says, now go, I am with you, or I am sending you. And um, I think, especially in the Old Testament, and really in our lives, we question God if he's even active, or if he's even there. And um, this was huge in my life in eighth grade when I found out my dad was diagnosed with colon cancer. Um, And so I was like, "Uh, okay, God, how are you active in this? Where are you? 
or anytime something interrupted my reduced calling, um, like I got injured or I got sick and I couldn't play, I was like, uh, God, where are you in this? Or if my grade sucked or something, um, hey, you know, why aren't you acting? And so I started to freak out about God not being there. But God is active, and God sends Moses. And, God, and Moses questions God. He says, who am I? And we question God all the time. And that's the, I guess that's the irony in it, is we, we question him, but God is this, this great God and knows what's going on. So here, God's, or Moses asks God, who am I that I should go to these Israelites? Because God is sending him to the Israelites. And God says, look, I've got you because I knew that you grew up, he grew up with the Egyptians, Moses did. And so he knew how they worked. And he knew what he was calling him to. And that's why he chose Moses. But oftentimes we can't see, or we only see the things that we can't do, but God sees what we can do. And um, so I question God all the time, being like, who am I? Am I good enough for this? Or what if I choose to do this instead of that? Like, what if I choose to not do this internship but step into my career? Um, what might happen then? I start wondering and thinking. And, and this kind of reminds me of when I was in the DR um, this past spring break, which was amazing. You guys should all go to the Dominican Republic. It's awesome. Yeah, you DR people. Um, so I was in the Dominican Republic, and one night we turned off all the lights, and we walked down to the beach. This is how we walk. We walked down to the beach. <laughs> it's really odd you notice things you do up here, but anyway, so that's how we walked down there. And then um, we're laying on the, um, I want to say sand, but it was rocks. Like, it's amazing. Don't get me wrong. It was rocks, so it wasn't that comfortable. But the sight I saw was worth the pain, okay? I was looking up, and I have never seen stars like this in my life. Ever. And people say, you see that wild horse young life camp. I'm like, no, you don't see this there. Like, this is unreal. The stars were so vibrant and so sharp, and I could see them all with such great, such great detail. But I was looking at that, and I kept rolling my head back because I wanted to see the stars that were behind me because I knew the sky kept going. I'm like, where are they? And I was kind of getting pissed that I couldn't see it because I was like, cool, that's cool, but I want to see that. And I think we do that so often in our lives. Um, instead of looking at what's right in front of us, we try to look for the stars that aren't behind us or, or in the future. Um, and w- like I said, we do this in our own life and we c- become overwhelmed with the bigger picture. Or what if? What if I choose to do, do this instead? What if I choose to do that instead? Um, instead of just stepping into the situation or the um, opportunity that's right in front of us. But luckily, God says to Moses in this, he says, look, I am with you. And I question, what would our life be like if we actually believed this? If we actually believed that God was with us in every single decision that we made? To know that God isn't calling us to an opportunity or an invitation and then saying, peace, I hope you got it. See you later. Like, hope you make it to the finish line. God's not saying that at all. So I want to see what happens with Moses here, um, how that plays out in Moses' life. So we got some more text, so bear with me. Um, Okay, I'll read it from here. So God says, Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you, and I have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of all these people. And he said, A land that is flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. 
but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless the mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and I will strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward his people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. Okay, so God is active, right? We see that God is active before he calls Moses, before he sends Moses to um, Egypt, but then he's active in, bless you, he's active in when he sends um, Moses, and then he's active afterwards. He says, look, I know that this is going to happen. You're going to go. You need to go talk to Pharaoh, and then Pharaoh's going to say no. Like, I know that Pharaoh's going to say no, but then I'm going to stretch out my hand, my mighty hand, and I'm going to do work. And then I'm going to make the people there favor, favor to show favor towards you. So when you leave, you don't go empty-handed. I'm going to work in this. God says, I have got this, but I'm going to use you, but it's on my shoulders, Moses. It's not on your shoulders. And it's the same with us. He doesn't invite us to an internship, to a job, to a relationship, whatever, um, to living, to anything like that. And saying, man, I hope you got this. I got you here. Don't screw it up. I did this work. Now you have to do the rest. It's all on you. No, he promised us that he is active and he's with us. We just have to enter into the invitation that God, has got, that God has put in front of us. And he will use us. It's about God and not about us. No one believe that if he is sending you, then he is going to be with you. So after Moses questions himself in God's decision. Um, then he asks, okay, so I'm going to go to these people and I'm going to say, someone told me to come here. And, he's, and so who do I say that is? And God says, you tell them, I am who I am has sent you. And for us, it's like, okay, <laughs> I am who I am. Like, I am Karen Osler. That's who I am. Like, no big deal, right? Like, okay. Um, but to Moses, this was huge because I am in Hebrew translates to Yahweh. And that is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's the God that he had, a, he had a covenant with these men. And the covenant was saying, look, I'm faithful, I'm loving, and I'm loyal. And that is all unconditional, and I'm going to be with you. He said, I'm going to bless your family in this nation, which is the Israelites, and I'm going to bring you out to make you my chosen people. So God, I mean, Moses knew exactly who he was talking to. He knew he was this God, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't absolutely terrified. But believing I am who I am and that God is faithful and here for you is so calming and reassuring. Well, at least to me it is. Because if we truly believe this, that God is an unconditional, loving, faithful, and loyal God, then like when our professor screws us or something, (laughs) which happens often, um, we're not going to be sitting there thinking that God is like, ah, should have chose a different prof. Next time, you know. Um, we know that he's sitting there saying, ah, oh, I'm so active. And I'm active because I'm concerned and I'm sorry and I'm hurting for you. But the thing is, I'm here with you and I've got you. It's not on your shoulders. It's on mine. What would life be like if we truly believed that God is who he says he is? That God is this unconditional, loving, faithful, and loyal God. How much fear would we have? 
How much would we, would we be striving to live into our reduced calling? I don't, I don't think this would be the case. But when we start to not really believe that God is active and unconditionally faithful, we start to freak out about even the smallest things. Like, even things with our time. Like, should I go hang out with these people or should I go study right now? And it comes down like, okay, well, if I study, I'm going to start thinking about the future. So if I study, that means, like, I might get a better grade on this test. And then that means I'll get a better GPA in the class. And then a better GPA overall, I'll graduate and I get into the grad school, I have this amazing job, and have all this money, and life will be amazing. And that's how we think. But then we're like, okay, wait, hold on. If I go hang out with people, one, I'll look pretty BA. Sorry, I'll look awesome. Um, <laughs> and um, two, there's, there's this... Sorry, Ryan. Um, uh, there's this guy here that's really cute, and so we'll probably start dating, right? And then eventually you're going to get married, and he's really cute, so his kids are going to be great. Um, <laughs> And then life is going to be amazing. Like, we start doing all this stuff, and we start questioning what decision to make. Um, <laughs> and we have all this fear, and we're questioning this because um, we start to let fear come into us rather than knowing that God is who he says he is. But if we just make a decision knowing that, knowing that God is who he says he is, it's not going to go wrong. Because in Moses' life, he's active. And in our life, he's active. And in Moses' life, he says, I've got it. In our life, he says, I got it. If we're making a decision for God, then no decision will be the wrong one. Um, and it will lead to a bunch of growth and um, trust in your life. Um, and this is extremely evident in my life. I've stepped into a bunch of invitations, um, which I didn't notice it at the time, but that have allowed me to grow and grow in my faith. And um, I told you how I played soccer in college. And during uh, recruiting time, you know, to get there, I get recruited to play at this small school in Seattle, SPU. Um, and I started to have all this fear around it. Um, after I made the decision, I said yes. And I had all this fear because I was living into my reduced calling. I'm the great soccer player. And I started to think, well, first, what will my friends think because I chose a Christian school? That's not me. And two, um, what will the soccer community think that I decided to play D2 instead of D1? Like, that's a big no-no. Um, so I started to be really scared about that. And I had all this fear around that. Um, but then I was up here for preseason, and I'm getting these phone calls and emails from people that are like, hey, I, I visited your dad today. He doesn't look like he's doing that well. Like, um, you should probably come home, whatever. But I was talking to my dad, and he's like, oh, I'm just in that, you know, slump. Like, you kind of do that when you have cancer. And I was like, okay, like, that's good. Um, but I went over to my aunt's house, and um, we were making cookies before some soccer thing. And she had just been down in Portland. And... Um, we're sitting there, and then she just turns to me, and, and she's crying, and she says, Karen, you really need to go home. And then she's right here, and all of a sudden, my uncle's coming right here, and I just felt trapped, not by them, but by the situation that I was in, because I had been living into my reduced calling, so immediately those questions came to mind. Okay, well, um, how does this help me be a better soccer player? Like, um, what is my coach going to think of me? I've only been up here for a couple, not even a month, you know? Um, what are my teammates going to think of me? Is this, does this show a sign of weakness? What is my dad going to think? I know he, he wants to be proud of me, and, and that's for me playing soccer. So if I, I step back now, am I going to be the weak, you know, not a good soccer player? Um, but luckily, we were playing the University of Portland that weekend. And 
So I got to go down and play, and I started, and I had a great game against the top D1 school in the nation. My dad was all smiles. It was awesome, and I was like, yes. Like, I was back on that cloud nine, you know, because it was my, my calling, and I had done it and lived into it. And um, he was awesome. He felt great, so I felt great because I made him super proud. And so I'm on this cloud nine, so I have the courage to go talk to my coach to say, hey, can I stay here the week because he's just really not doing that well. Um, so, of course, he said yes, because if he didn't, I think he would be a soulless person. But um, <laughs> So <laughs> he let me stay, and, um, but then he started calling me and being like, hey, like, you should come back up and play. We have this game. We really need you, all this stuff. And I'm a freshman. My, my reduced calling is being a great soccer player. So I'm like, oh, okay. Like, despite what people said, I went up there. Um, and so I'm playing, and I get all these missed phone calls from my sister. And, uh, and I'm saying, Karen, like, you need to get home. And my teammates wouldn't let me drive because I was up all night taking care of my dad with my mom. And um, so I'm there, and my uh, teammates drive me halfway. My dad's friend picks me up halfway. And so we're driving down, and I'm about four minutes from my house when I receive the worst phone call of my life. Um, My mom was on the other line, and she said, Karen, I'm sorry, he's gone. And, um, of course, like, I sat there and I started to just cry, and the tears started to come, and I started to think about earlier that day and how all I cared about was my calling and how I almost scored three goals that day, and um, that was all for my dad. And I remember being like, oh, this is awesome, like, he's going to love it, and um, he never got to, you know, know that I almost scored three goals. He never got to know that um, I played so great in that game. Um, he never got to know these things, and that's because I let that reduced calling become all of me. Um, and that calling had pulled me out of relationships growing up my entire life, and then it had pulled me out of a relationship that meant the most um, in this moment. Um, but I can tell you something weird happened uh, when I got home, and you know I got to go see my dad and be with my family, and uh, I had this this invitation, and this invitation was for me to either follow God or to go down this path. I had seen so many of my friends go down. Um, that really led to self-destruction and forced false happiness. Um, and I knew I, I wasn't strong enough at this point anymore to do that. And so despite my anger, uh, my sadness, and my bitterness, for some reason I chose to follow God. And I'm not saying my life has been a cakewalk since. It totally hasn't. Um, and just like Moses' life wasn't a cakewalk after he accepted that invitation with God. Um, he accepted the invitation, and if you guys know the rest of the story, so Moses goes to Pharaoh, and um, God sends um, his brother with him so he can go. And he goes to Pharaoh, and he's talking to him to say, let my people go, you know, and he doesn't let his people go. And um, so God sends a plague. And then there's kind of this excitement or anticipation that they might get to go free, but then Pharaoh's heart is hardened. And then God sends a plague. And then there's this, you know, anticipation, excitement, and then his heart is hardened. And so it's this repetition in this pattern. And um, eventually, the Israelites and Moses get to go uh, free. And so they're going, and they end up in the desert, and in their desert for 40 years. And um, the people are, like, pissed at Moses because they're like, uh what is this? Like, at least we had water and food back with the Egyptians, you know? And so then Moses is like, God, what, what is going on? I didn't expect you, me to jump into this invitation, like knowing you are God. And then all of a sudden I'm getting crapped on by these people. Like, what is this? And, um, but eventually, I'm sorry, Ryan. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
eventually, <laughs> I'm not, never, okay, whatever. Um, okay, they go and they end up in the promised land and um, the land flowing with milk and honey, like it said, um, and God has fulfilled his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And um, he's that loving, that faithful, that unconditional God, and he got them there. And I've definitely seen this in my life. Um, after my dad had died and I had chosen to follow God, I, it wasn't awesome. <laughs> I was so sad and so depressed. And um, I, you know, I came back to school my sophomore year, and eventually I found myself at the inn. And Ryan was giving this invitation to go to the Dominican Republic. And for some reason, I signed up for it, not knowing a soul. And I called my mom and I was like, hey, mom, like, I'm going to the DR. And she's like, awesome. See, that's a good mom right there. Um, totally supportive. But so I go down there and um, that's when things start to change. It wasn't like, you know, an epiphany or anything, but like my heart started to change a little bit. And I felt like God was softening it. And my heart changed so much that my senior year, um, I decided I couldn't live into this reduced calling anymore. Um, so I decided I was going to quit soccer. I couldn't do it. And my dad wasn't around for me to, you know, try and make proud, whatever. Um, so I walk into my coach's office, and it was an hour and a half long conversation because he just didn't believe me and didn't understand why. And like, because it wasn't like I wasn't playing or anything. Um, but so I said, I'm sorry, my heart just isn't in it anymore. And I don't think it's fair for the rest of the team, for the girls. And he said, okay, Karen, well, then where is your heart? And I was like, honestly, my heart's for God. And, like, I stopped breathing because I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) I've never said that to anyone before. That literally came out of nowhere, and I am so utterly embarrassed. (laughs) And um, But at the same time, I was, like, awkwardly proud of myself. I was like, that's right. Like, my heart is for God, you know? (laughs) Um, A little bit of bash bros in that right there. But, um, yeah. (laughs) So that was extremely hard for me because I had finally gotten rid of my reduced calling. And in that moment, although tears were happening, I felt so much freedom. And so I'm wondering, what are some of your reduced callings that you put on yourselves your entire lives? Whether that's to be that straight-A student or a best friend or someone who's dating the perfect guy all the time or you know, someone who's at the parties all the time or the funny guy, whatever it is, I know that it becomes so draining. Um, And it's hard, but it's great to get rid of. And when we get rid of these self-imposed callings, we find freedom in what God is actually calling us to and freedom to trust in him wholeheartedly. For me, this may sound crazy, but I was called to be a girl who's loved by God and loves God and to live that out. And I think the hardest decision for me was to jump off that cliff, to quit soccer and say, okay, God, here I go. And I literally felt like I was jumping off a cliff. But the good thing about it was I was jumping off with the belief that God is exactly who he says he is. And I gave my heart to God, and I think once you do that, he takes your heart, and he places it where it's intended to be. Um, And he put my heart not where I intended it to be, because I'm working at a church right now. And if you would have told me that in high school or the beginning of college, I literally would have laughed in your face, because that's a good one. (laughs) Nope. Um, I was going to be doing my career, and I was going to be making money. Um, and I don't think Moses ever expected to be stepping into this calling to saving the nation that would give the Israelites their identity as the chosen people of God rather than the, the um, people who are saved or slaves in Egypt. Um, so these things are unexpected that God does, but clearly God knows best. 
And I was prepared to come up here tonight and to tell you that I have no idea what I'm doing my, with my life next year. Like, I'm in the same place as the last year, except for this year, I'm getting married this summer. And um, I still have no idea what I'm doing, where we're living, what job Kevin's going to have. But the only thing is, I can't run home to my mommy. Like, I can't run home to this safe zone. But I know it's going to be okay because I believe that God is an unconditionally loving and faithful God, and he is exactly who he says he is. I'm sure you guys are freaking out right now, whether it be about majors in the future, summer jobs, where you're going to live this year, where you're going to live next year, who you're going to date over the summer, like, you know, all these things. But if you, if you have this fear because the thought that God isn't with us, okay, you have the fear, this fear, um, because you think that God isn't with you, and that starts to creep in your mind. And like I did in the DR, try not to roll your head back to look at what might be, to see the stars that aren't there, but look at the stars that are right in front of you, the invitation that God is giving you right now. And I know these invitations are hard, but if we step into them and we believe that God is who he says he is, our life will be changed. Um, what's funny is, um, actually this Sunday, I, um, I found out that I got into school next year for dietetics or nutrition. And this was a huge shocker for me. Like, and it was a huge shocker, whatever. But I was looking on my phone and that's where I found out. And I looked at it and I kind of stopped and I was with Kevin and I go, I was like, uh, Kev, I think I got in. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I think I got into school, but hold on. Will you please read this? So he read it and he's like, yeah, you got in. And I was like... No, no, read it, read it out loud to me. And it was like, I have the privilege of telling you, you were matched with this school, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no way. And my first reaction was, I think they chose the wrong person. I think they think I'm someone else. And I was like, oh, gosh, this is going to suck. And then I started thinking about, you know, the future and, and what will happen with it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, how's that going to affect, you know, wedding stuff and this and that and whatever. And I started freaking out. I started looking at all the stars that aren't right in front of me and looking at what is behind me or in the future. And then um, luckily, Kevin is great, and he's like, Karen, don't you know that God knows that you got this internship and God knows that we're going to get married this summer and that we need a place to live? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, and do you believe that God is who he says he is? And I was like, ooh, dagger, like you got me. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's really embarrassing. Um, but it happens. That happens with us all the time. Um, and what's cool is I can be like, yeah, you're right. I know God is exactly who he is, and he is going to be with me. And so I know that it's going to be okay because I'm scared to death of it. And whenever there's a situation or an opportunity in front of me that I'm so scared of, I know that I have to step in, into it because that's when I start to become closer to God. And that's when God allows me to grow. So in that sense, I'm excited um, because I know it is going to be an extreme adventure, and I'm excited for that. But I want us all to realize that God is calling us to an opportunity and to take that opportunity knowing that God is loving, faithful, and loyal. Step into the invitation like Moses did. Step into the invitation and get rid of your reduced self-calling. Step into the invitation wholeheartedly. And once you're there, God will say, great, let's do this adventure together because I have got you. Remember that God is exactly who he says he is. God is loving, he is faithful, and he is loyal. And that is all unconditional. Would you please pray with me? 
God, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much for these people. And thank you so much for the story that you've given us in this scripture. And I pray that we know, leaving today, that you are the God who you say you are. And we have full faith in that. And I pray that in these decisions that we step into, we do them knowing that no matter what, if we're doing them for you, that you have got it, God. Thank you for these people. I love them all. They are amazing. And I pray that you bless this night. I pray all these things in your name. Amen.